This is a Global News exclusive. And Stuart Bell uh, traveled to um, meet with a, a captured ISIS fighter who happens to be Canadian by the name of Muhammad Ali. I know, I wish it wasn't so as well. He is 28 now, left Toronto in 2014 to join ISIS, was a Ryerson student, was captured by Kurdish forces, and uh, that's while he was trying to flee from Syria to Turkey to get back to Canada. Now he is being held by uh, Kurdish officials, and they basically, they want to hand him and a dozen others over to Canada. They want us to take him back because he is a Canadian citizen. And uh, we're joined now to, to, you know, get the skinny on exactly uh, if we have to take him back, what this means, if this guy can be charged by um, Mubin Sheikh, who is, of course, a counterterrorism expert and operative. He has been on the show numerous times. And it's always a pleasure to have you on, Mubin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelly, for having me once again. It's a disturbing, you know, story, and we always get you on when there's these disturbing stories uh, to to tackle. But I think you do it in a way that's knowledgeable and uh, level-headed. I just want to know why is it so hard for the RCMP to bring charges against Canadians who've taken part in overseas terror groups? Yeah, that this is the biggest problem. It was the same issue that we dealt with the last time we were speaking about that ISIS returnee that is currently in the GTA. He's attending a university along with other students, unbeknownst to everybody around them, uh, what this guy's about. Uh, you know, it, when individuals commit crimes in war zones, getting evidence from those places is next to impossible. Um, now, this guy, Muhammad Ali, I mean, I was tracking him personally from 2014. Uh, and, uh, you know, he went dark, uh, you know, late 2017-ish. Uh, and then we figured out why. It's because he got caught. Uh, but, look, this guy is the worst-case scenario that we can deal with. He is basically our version of Jihadi John, that British ISIS executioner that appeared on videos dressed in black. Uh, he was eventually uh, you know, sent to hell by a drone strike. Uh, but this guy, this guy got off lucky, I guess, in the sense that he's still alive. Um, but look, he, I mean, there have been numerous social media postings that he made, some, many of which I have saved on my hard drive. Uh, I'm sure that the law enforcement agencies are going to be looking at that. That's going to be one angle, maybe to see how much of that social media posting can be used for evidence. Uh, the other is going to be, of course, the Syrian Democratic Forces who are currently holding him. And I have no doubt that he will claim that he was tortured in an attempt to have those uh, that information uh, you know, um, uh, expunged or, or basically not admitted into any possible prosecution that could happen. There's so many options here, so many variables, it's impossible to say what could happen. I think the fear for the Canadian public and the average person, you know, hearing about this, you know, Global News exclusive story is that he might get back into Canada. And, you know, we've got this prime minister that's pretty uh, lenient on things here and uh, gave somebody a lot of money. Yeah, I know. I mean, people are thinking, of course, the Omar Khadr case and some other cases as case of three Syrians, not, uh, of course, Maher Arar, um, you know, multi-million dollar settlements that were given out. But I mean, those were, I would say, more legit cases, Um, you know, with Omar Khadr. I mean, I I do believe he was a child soldier. The other guys that were tortured by the Syrian regime. This is going to be a little different. This is not the case of somebody who, you know, the Canadian government didn't try to help him. Uh, this is a case of a combatant, you know, who who was engaged in hostilities, who got caught by opposing forces, and uh, and it's interesting to see what the government is going to do with him if they if they decide to bring him back. And look, I mean, you know, I say I always say unfortunately, but the reality is is that there we do have legal obligations to our citizens, you know, no matter what they've done, who they are, or where they've done it. 
uh, you know, Canadian jurisdiction should come into play. But uh, there are also political considerations to make, right? I think they, the, the government was able to sell the idea of at least Omar Khadr, uh, but this is going to be very, I mean, next to impossible to sell as, you know, a victim in, in any uh, stretch of any imagination. He, right. He's definitely not that. Because this guy was 24 when he left Canada to join ISIS. He fought in in Syria. They they say he was a snar- sniper, and he was hardly a child. So, um, you know, with that in mind, what if Canada doesn't bring him back? W- what happens to him overseas? That would be great. Uh, I would love for the Canadian government to absolutely not bring him back, just to decide that, hey, this is not in our national security interest. Uh, and that alone can absolve them of any uh, of any obligation. Uh, what could happen to him? I really don't care. I mean, I, I mean, I would have hoped that the Syrian Democratic Forces and, and they're they're dealing with a lot of foreigners. It's not just Canadians. There's at least, I believe, uh, seven or eight mm-hmm. uh, Canadians that are there. Three men, three women, and a bunch of kids. Uh, you know, obviously, women and children. We like to help them, but. You know, what kind of message are we sending people that even if you join ISIS, you know, you won't lose your kids, right? That's, it's insane. Uh, you know, we have to have a measured approach. So, look, uh, I mean, maybe these, the Kurds realize that, look, if we, if we can't house these guys and feed them that we've been doing for how long, you know what? Maybe they just get, quote-unquote, released back into the battlefield only to be targeted by other forces. Mubin, I'm actually kind of shocked to hear you uh, take this stand because, you know, as an expert in de-radicalization in the past, we've talked to you uh, about the fact that, you know, these people could be used for intelligence and, you know, you shouldn't necessarily give up on people that quickly. Um, You know, they can be brought around. Is the fact that you're... uh, taking this other side, is it based on the fact that this guy, you know, he was, in addition to not only being, uh, you know, a member of ISIS and bragging about it, he bragged about playing soccer with people's severed heads, and he also um, would uh, post, he was very active on social media, he encouraged others to conduct ISIS uh, attacks here at home. Is this why you don't think that he can be turned around? Look, everything I have said, as you quoted me, is correct. And what I do is it, you have to look at the individual's uh, um, ability to be de-radicalized, right? There's a spectrum of threat that I put all these people on. Mm-hmm. You know, a woman or a child, you know, that's a whole other issue in and of itself, right? Of course, the women are not naive. They can be just as ideologically rigid and evil. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum is a guy like Muhammad Ali. And, and I've, I've been, like you said, I mean, I'm very open with the idea of attempting to de-radicalize those who are, who are uh, uh, good candidates for it. And that's what you have to look at. You have to look at, is the person remorseful? You know, did they leave before the caliphate was established? Did they not engage in X, Y, Z? Well, then that's a good candidate. This guy is the worst candidate you can imagine. Uh, and, and I am going really hard on this guy because I have seen what this guy's been doing. I tracked him personally from 2014, uh, not just the severed heads, but the, the biggest, sweetest irony out of all of this is... Moving to you there, we just lost you. Yep, sorry about that. We got to the biggest, sweetest irony of this is... Is that Stuart Bell, the, the very journalist that's interviewing him, yep. Muhammad Ali sent him tweets. After Mr. Foley was killed, he sent Stuart Bell tweets that, hey, we're looking, we're waiting for you to come here so we can take your head off. James Foley. Yeah, yeah. When James Foley was killed, Muhammad Ali sent Stuart Bell a tweet threatening to cut his head off. And in fact, Stuart Bell retweeted that 
that very same tweet. So it's a sweet, sweet irony that, that Stuart Bell is the one interviewing him now. Uh, okay, so what is your greatest fear that Canada is going to take him back? And if we do take him back, what challenges are ahead for proving this guy uh, should be incarcerated and also keeping tabs on him? Yeah, there. I mean, again, it will remain to be seen what happens. I mean, it's possible he may admit uh, to his crimes, confess, and agree to a prison term. That's possible. Uh, that should be the very first thing that we should be looking at. But my fear is that he is brought back, that we have a spectacle of a trial. He is, you know, uh, the arguments are made, oh, I was tortured, oh, this, oh, that. He's not guilty, and then there's nothing you can do, and he basically walks out a free man. And and this is a, this is a terrible message for the government, the national security institutions to be sending to the public that we can't keep our people safe. Let me just, just quickly, I, I sent this tweet, uh, the, the story by Global News, uh, Global News to the, the GTA ISIS returning, who since, you know, since the whole Caliphate podcast with New York Times, him and I, we, you know, we're acrimonious, shall we say. Uh, I sent him the tweet and he replied, our mission is the same. Whether we get killed, whether we get arrested, we don't ever lose. And this is the kind of doubling down mentality that a guy like that has. Now, this guy is under such surveillance that we might as well get him an ankle bracelet for Christmas. You know, and this is this is what. Yeah, but what I think what makes people really uh, which in, what infuriates people when they hear that is, OK, so we know where he is. But how much are we paying to keep tabs on him? Not that anybody yeah. wants him to disappear. But I think the Canadian people are sick of being kind of, you know, uh, you, you know, their money being uh, spent in ways that, in fact, yeah, might protect them. But they feel that it's wasted. Like, just don't bring him back in the first place. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, it's, it's, if we can not bring him back, that's what, that's what we should do. And, and you're absolutely right. This is part of the cost of terrorism, of policing terrorism. Uh, I spoke about this previously. I mean, you, you need about 15 people to follow a guy 24-7. And if you're chintzing that surveillance and paying him 50 grand a year, that's 750000 bucks a year for one target. Wow. That doesn't even include the police, courts, social workers, others that may be involved in that, right? You could easily get up to a million bucks. And the question that is rightfully to be asked is, what are we getting in return for that million bucks? So uh, I hope we don't bring him back. I hope the Kurds release him back into the battlefield uh, so that the Americans or Brits or French or somebody can just uh, send him to hell where he belongs. What is your gut on this? What do you think the Canadian government's going to do? I think they're going to drag their feet as long as they can. Uh, This is the hottest potato that they're ever going to deal with. And, uh, I mean, Godspeed to them, but, I mean, I hope they do the right thing. This could doom uh, Trudeau in the election. Look, I am staunchly liberal, of course, but let me tell you, I am getting uh, annoyed with some of the responses that I'm seeing with these ISIS returnees. Very annoyed. Mubin, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much, Kelly. Cheers. That's Mubin Sheikh. You know him as a counterterrorism expert. He uh, deals with uh, de-radicalization of uh, people that have gotten into terrorism, and he's uh, been a CSIS operative. He knows his stuff, and he is saying this guy should not come home.